You are tuned to The Conversation here on Hawaii Public Radio. I'm Catherine Cruz. Today we're talking about how to keep ourselves safe in cyberspace. And our guest in studio this morning, Frank Pace, Administrator for the Office of Homeland Security with the Hawaii Department of Defense, and Jody Ito, the Chief Security Officer for the University of Hawaii at Manoa and the Chair of the nonprofit group Cyber Hawaii. Welcome to you both. Thank you very so much. So nice to see you in the studio. It's a pleasure <laughs> to be here. Thank you. Thank you yes. Yeah. And, you know, Frank, you know, maybe share with our listeners a little bit about your background and your area of expertise. Sure. So my uh, background has been primarily in uh, law enforcement and in homeland security at the state and local level, uh, starting with um, my service with the Phoenix Police Department back in uh, 1996. And that encompassed a variety of uh, um, assignments uh, related to investigations, counterterrorism, and uh, culminating with uh, an assignment on an FBI task force related to cyber um, crimes. So that kind of got you interested in this whole area. Yeah, it did. It did. And then uh, following uh, my retirement from law enforcement, I had the opportunity to go and uh, work for a privacy and security research group in Europe, working both with the international law enforcement community and also with security researchers related to issues such as cybercrime, cybersecurity, and the impacts to information and privacy. And Jody, you know, lots of folks know that the University of Hawaii uh, you know, reaches just every aspect of our community across the state, but they may not know about Cyber Hawaii. What is that group? So Cyber Hawaii is a nonprofit organization comprised of uh, businesses, federal organizations, state organizations, and academia, really to create an information sharing um, organization, a trust-based information sharing organization where we can actually discuss problems related to cyber and also increase the awareness of cybersecurity and how companies and individuals can protect themselves from this myriad of cyber threats now. I mean, we face it in our everyday lives because if you look at all of the devices that we touch, everything is uh, connected to the network and everything has our data on it. Um, so really, um, what they call the landscape, the threat landscape is huge, including all of our vulnerabilities. You know, I think the scariest thing that I saw on the news was uh, when somebody's nanny cam system, you know, was hijacked and you had some outsider talking to a little child, to your child, you know, in the room and you just see how vulnerable you are. Uh, you don't have to be at work or, you know, uh, uh, you know, on your phone, but you could just be in your own home. Exactly. So now you have all of these home security devices that is connected to your home network. If you do not protect your home network correctly, then somebody can take over your devices and use that device to spy on you. Right. And you have all of these devices that like Siri and Alexis, where you're talking to it. Well, those things are listening to you all the time, listening for the keyword when it activates. Um, and I believe there was some misconfigurations where actually everything that was being said was being recorded. So there are things like that that people need to really pay attention to. Yeah, you just you, you may not know how vulnerable you are. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and, and Frank, you know, we've seen the headlines. Uh, Israel had its largest cyber attack, took down its government websites for a while. It prompted the National Cyber Directorate to declare a state of emergency. We've seen Russia use cyber attacks as a tool in their invasion of Ukraine. So. You know, these headlines, you know, I mean, how do they impact us here? Well, the biggest impact for us here is, is, is really to be aware that um, the potential for any type of retaliation, and it has been stated by the Department of Homeland Security, um, is that uh, we would likely face a cyber-type related event. And, and really, you know, when we look at what that means for us here, both in the state of Hawaii and, and, and for the U.S. at large, is that um, those would be targeted towards our critical infrastructure. So those are our, our, our energy systems, our electric power, our water, our wastewater, our transportation, our communication. And what that really means to the individual is that any one of those attacks can not only impact our way of life, and obviously with you know the loss of power or, or, or water to our homes and businesses, um, but also how that can have a cascading effect to the individual, to our home devices. And we've seen a lot of other examples well before the conflict in Ukraine where um, different types of malware and ransomware coming from nation states or uh, other entities that support them have impacted individuals here in Hawaii and, and across the U.S. And your office did uh, early on put out a warning just about that, be on guard. 
Correct. Yes. You know, coming uh, following the information that was put out both by uh, CISA um, and also from other authorities is to reiterate the importance of what we like to call cyber hygiene and and making sure that it it all starts at the individual level, making sure that uh, you're. Uh, your home computers, your businesses, your networks are have the most current updates, and just to to just reaffirm the importance of that to just prepare so that you're not reacting to something. You're you're preparing to prevent it. I, I like that term, uh, cyber hygiene. You mm-hmm. know, if you're sloppy, <laughs> <laughs> told me to put it. Yeah, yeah. So be careful. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, we did reach out to uh, Matthew Chapman. He's a, a cybersecurity professor at UH West Oahu. Uh, he teaches c- computer science cybersecurity there. Um, before that, he worked in cyber defense for the U.S. Army for over two decades. He says that governments should partner with private and international organizations in order to move more dynamically uh, to fight cyber attacks. As the cyber attacks against the Ukraine got a little more significant and there was software trying to they delete information on critical infrastructure in Ukraine, that set off alarms in the Microsoft Cyber Threat Center. And within a few hours, they had developed blocks to defeat this wiper software. So this increased due diligence, this partnership between the government and industry and really the global community is what it takes to uh, defeat these kinds of hostile actors. You know, and uh, we've been you know, hearing a lot of, about this. Our congressional delegation, you know, did uh, come out early because they got a briefing saying, you know, folks just need to be really careful. We're going through a very tense time around the globe, uh, and you just really need to protect yourself. Um, U.S. Secretary of Defense of the Department of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas, expressed a similar sen- sentiments uh, that uh, Professor Chapman did uh, back in 2021. The government does not have the capacity to achieve our nation's cyber resilience alone. So much of our critical infrastructure is in the private sector's hands. We need to work with the private sector to protect the interests of the American people and the services on which we rely. Our government got hacked last year, and we didn't know about it for months. It wasn't until one of the world's best cybersecurity companies got hacked itself and alerted the government that we found out. This incident is one of many that underscores the need for the federal government to modernize cybersecurity defenses and deepen our partnerships. And Mayorkas was referring to a 2020 federal data breach by hackers that was backed by the Russian government. The hackers had access to data from 12 federal government agencies, as well as the state governments of California, Arizona, Ohio, and Texas for nearly nine months before they were discovered. It was one of the worst cyber espionage incidents in U.S. history. So, Frank, talk about that. I mean, you know, we we need to make connections and, and network with people. But I know, like, even with the Israel thing, I think the uh, U.S. had just announced a partnership with Israel, and then, like, the next week, then they were under attack. Right, and I think that's more than, than a coincidence. And, and, and we see this time and time again. And, and really, to, to get to the point that the Secretary made is that this is really a collective effort. Um, this is something that neither the federal government nor the state or city and county can do alone. It's really uh, a partnership that involves trust and, I think, coordination amongst both uh, those in government and, as he also pointed out, within critical infrastructure and the other en- entities within our state, the vast majority of those are private. They're owner-operated um, uh, organizations and businesses um, that have their own responsibilities to help uh, bring their, their networks, their systems up to speed. And that's really uh, the point that we try to bring home. And when we look at it from a homeland security perspective here in the state, you know, our focus is on building those relationships, having those plans in place, and doing this ahead of time. You know, the, the old saying is you don't want to build a plane while you're flying it. And so that's one thing that we try to work on, and we have been working on for a long time, is that whether that's through our partners in the Department of Defense, through the federal partnerships with Homeland Security, and then also importantly here in the state uh, within uh, enterprise technology services, organizations like the University of Hawaii, um, and others to put those plans in place and to help where we can as a government to, to, to bring those, um, those networks and those systems up to the capacity that they uh, should be. And Judy, uh, you know, the university uh, has a number of contracts with the military, you know, so you've really got to, you know, be on your game. Absolutely. 
<clears throat> so every time we receive some sort of grant or award from a federal agency or even other um, institutions or private companies, there's contract language in there that specifically state how data needs to be protected. Um, and additionally, um, there's more oversight coming down from our federal government regarding how, specifically how this information needs to be protected. Um, Case in point, there's a series of, um, it's called the Cybersecurity Maturity Model Certification, which is coming out uh, where um, companies have to assert that they meet certain standards, and it's different levels. So if you're at the base level, it, we call it basic safeguarding, there are basically 15 things that you need to do or 15 controls that you need to do to meet that standard. Um, what's interesting is a lot of the small and medium businesses that support um, federal government, as well as the military defense contractors, uh, they will need to also abide by these types of regulations. And for the small mom and pops, it's really hard. They don't even really know what cybersecurity means to them, but they are part of what we call a supply chain. And the attackers will try to come in through the smaller companies because they don't have as many resources to commit to protecting those small organizations. And then they'll come in and then move their way up to the larger organizations. So is this something that was just launched recently? Uh, so Cyber Hawaii has a program called the Cyber Ready Hawaii program. And this is basically, uh, we received some grants from our Department of Labor and Industrial Relations that actually supports the Cyber Ready Hawaii program where a small and medium business for free can get the guidance and to how to uh, meet those basic safeguarding rules. So really, it's something you can take advantage of. It walks the company through. There is some amount of time that the company needs to invest. For example, they need to commit to having all of their employees trained. They need to commit to developing an incident response plan. Right? So there are specific things that they need to do. But really, it does help raise the game in terms of their cybersecurity posture and make them that much less likely to be compromised. So again, this is something that any small and medium business and nonprofit organizations can participate in. And so we're actively looking for, for companies to join us now. And so uh, talk about just the university experience, you know, because uh, you know, it's had some uh, data breaches, you know, and, and, and has come under attack. Absolutely. What's been the, I guess, the most interesting one that you've seen recently? Uh, well, the most interesting, meaning it's been a really hard challenge for us, is that it was a nation-state attack after we did some analysis and work with our federal government partners, um, FBI, Homeland Security. Um, we, we worked with them, and they were able to then identify that this was coming in from, from China. But it was part of a larger attack on a lot of the major universities. So we were just one part of it. Um, they found a weakness in some of our systems, were able to use unpatched systems to come in, and then were able to move to other systems. So uh, in 2017, that's when the incident happened. It was in our local news. It made the Wall Street Journal. Um, it's definitely not something that we kept under wraps. But it did take us a while to figure out what was going on. And th again, they were pursuing the research component of it. It wasn't about you know social security numbers or things like that. And it's, again, trying to gain access to other organizations through trust relationships. So they'll try to get into email accounts so that they can see who's communicating with who. And then they'll send targeted spear phishing emails to those other individuals by inserting themselves into an email thread that already exists. Uh, and then they just move their way very stealthily uh, through the network that way. Um, and, and I know there was a, a, a number, um, well, there were a number of stories uh, in the headlines about uh, the universities were thinking some of their, like the Chinese institutes that they were set up. And we had one here in the islands, and they were just like, mm, just you might want to be real cautious about. That is absolutely correct. Through so, from the partnerships with some of our federal government agencies, um, you know, they were helping us to analyze what is a specific threat, and it's it's really difficult because some of these are actual naturalized citizens. They and they are conducting valid research. And so how do you try to ferret out which ones still have those ties um, to those other uh, countries? And it, it's a difficult challenge, but that comes down to the federal government oversight where they're implementing uh, more awareness training. They call it foreign influence and really trying to put in more checks and balances where we have a mechanism for trying to identify where these activities may be taking place. So you might have somebody uh, trying to attack from the outside and you might have, have actually someone physically inside 
Right, and it's and it's not really so much an attack as as it is. It, it's a it's a prolonged development of whether it's research or it's uh, 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 corporate partnerships that evolve into an opportunity for those individuals who may be supporting a foreign government to then access the data, the, uh, the uh, proprietary source code or something that's related to national security, and then to bring that back and, and, have, that, and have that compromised. And you know, to, to the point that Jody is making, the federal government um, has conducted a lot of outreach because it is difficult to try and navigate that between, especially in academia, those longstanding uh, uh, partnerships where, whether they were uh, originally focused on the uh, Confucius Institutes, for example, right? Um, and then now a more broader focus on the Sister Cities program and how even with those and those exchanges, the same level of, of compromise is, is possible. And, and really what makes it even more challenging is that it's, it's not, um, I would say, like a, uh, a traditional uh, intelligence function where it's everyday folks that are either in business or in, in, in uh, academia who are either knowingly or sometimes unknowingly um, providing and, and, and gathering that uh, important information, sensitive information to bring back to a nation government. And um, a good example of what the, the federal government has uh, put out is a video that recently was released by the Federal Bureau of Investigation. It's free to watch on YouTube. It's called Beijing, the plan for global market domination. And, 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 I, and I would encourage uh, listeners to take a look at that. It's a, it's, a, it's a short video, but it gets into some really concrete examples of corporate espionage and, and the compromise of, of information, both um, at a private level and also within, within government. Okay, made in Beijing. Correct. Okay, and uh, so yeah, it, it could be stealing state secrets or getting in a back door somehow, and then kind of, uh, kind of spying <laughs> on the organization from the inside, looking to see maybe where they're most vulnerable and, you know, picking a time when they can attack, when maybe that organization is at its weakest. Sure, where they can attack or where they can continue to acquire information and intelligence to use to support um, their um, their objectives. And sometimes that information is actually gathered unknowingly. Like, so they will target, say, um, a researcher, and they find their information on the institution's website, and then they'll just send an email. Hi, I'm a doctoral student at this other foreign institution. I'm really interested in your research. Can you help me? And then the researcher definitely wants to help, and so they'll provide information and start sharing and develop a relationship. So that doctoral student is cultivating the research and unknowingly they're assisting. And so a lot of it can be very innocent, but um, really as individuals, we need to be suspicious all the time now. We do, and it's not just academia. It's it's also within economic development for the state and how we have these partnerships with other uh, organizations in other countries that are looking to do business here in Hawaii and here in the U.S. And you know what that entails, what the what the agreements are, and you know what the sensitivities of the type of work that they're looking to partner with on. Yes, they may not know that you're being compromised. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Well, if you're just joining us, our guests in our studio are Jody Ito, a Chief Security Officer for the University of Hawaii at Manoa, and Frank Pace with the Office of Homeland. Security with the Hawaii Department of Transportation. Uh, we invite you to call in, ask questions. Maybe you've been a victim of, uh, of cybercrime. Join our discussion by calling us at 941-3689 or 1-877-941-3689 from the neighbor islands. And I don't know, uh, have you folks uh, had an experience where you were a victim of uh, an attack or a, a you know theft, cyber theft? Yeah, so I think that the most glaring one is uh, uh, being in the Homeland Security world and in law enforcement having to have a security clearance is, uh, is, is probably the one that stands out the most where there was a, a breach several years ago of information that was uh, uh, held by the Office of Personnel Management and that was for all uh, clearance holders within the U.S. government. Uh, and my uh, uh, information was compromised. Um, and then also with the uh, Equifax breach, not uh, too long ago as, as, as well. So uh, I, I think no matter what you do, and especially if you're in this business, you're probably more likely to be the victim. But uh, yeah, that's, that's probably my uh, first example that I would give. And then Jody? And we actually have seen cases at the University of Hawaii where um, email accounts were compromised, and then the attackers were managed to skillfully 
do things like request change of bank account numbers for their direct deposits. So we had individuals lost money because, again, their personal email accounts were compromised. They had forwarded some university information there. And then subsequently, the attackers were able to gain access to the accounts where they were able to change the bank accounts. Um, we get a lot of these spear phishing where it says, hi, I'm the chancellor of the campus. You know, I need you to send me some gift cards or buy gift cards and then send me the um, activation codes immediately. And people are trusting and they, they actually lost money. They did fall for it um, and because that's our nature in Hawaii. We want to be helpful. Uh, and so really, it's everybody has to be aware and be alert because anybody can be a victim. Yeah, and you know, uh, I know over the years we've seen uh, breaches, data breaches, I think from the VA, uh, and it may not just be the veterans, but you know, their spouses, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, it, it could be you, you know, you went to a fast food place and, and used your credit card, and then they got compromised, and then you know, you find out later, or you could be a, a, a you know, you could have your, your mobile service with a certain company, and then they get, uh, you know, attacked as well. We do have a call from Maui. John, uh, what's on your mind? Yeah, um, just recently, my sister, uh, she had gotten an email um, from a fake Amazon uh, place, and she had just woken up, and she gave her all her information, her social security number, her, her license number, uh, all this, like even her, her maiden name. And I'm trying to figure out like what she needs to do, her, the steps she needs to take to protect herself now. Frank? Sure, so uh, one of the, the, the first pieces of advice you'll normally receive is, is to have credit, uh, credit monitoring uh, uh, in place, and that that could be through a, a number of organizations uh, to uh, to uh, immediately change passwords, um, change challenge questions uh, to um, various accounts, especially those related to your finances uh, and anything uh, like that as well. Um, and uh, yeah, to to just be very vigilant and to be on the lookout for anything that that is not just suspicious, but uh, may may show activity that is definitely not you acting on that. So it doesn't have to be like Amazon. No, could be, no. They, they could use it for something else. Mm -hmm. they, they could impersonate your bank. They could impersonate any other large company. They could actually impersonate a, a credit bureau, right? And so really the thing is that do not provide your personal information over an unsolicited email or a phone call. Um, the other things you need to do is immediately put a credit freeze on your all your accounts and contact every single one of your credit card um uh, providers and then let them know that your information has been breached and then they can probably put some additional monitoring on it. Um, you can also file a report with law enforcement um, and I, you can report it with the IC3. Uh, it's the internet. The internet crimes. Crime, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And then that way it's just, it's not necessarily that they'll be able to help you but it goes on record yeah. and eventually they try to aggregate information to try to eventually yeah. try and catch the people who are doing it. The, you know, the, uh, the, the, the real challenge is when you discover something like this having occurred is that you may not be the victim yet. So that's what's hard in reporting is that if, if you don't have something which demonstrates you being the victim of a crime other than just giving up your information, that's where I think like we just mentioned the, the key pieces of advice of contacting your credit agencies and having that monitoring put in place or what you want to do immediately. But the moment you feel as though that information has been utilized to then open up accounts in your name and to then actually conduct fraudulent activities where you want to go ahead and report that to law enforcement. Right, and I, I recall a situation where I think I got a, a, a little thing on my uh, credit card for, I think it was like $199 uh, purchase, and it was in California, and it was somebody, I think, just testing to see is right. this credit yeah. card activated and so there's an entire supply of credit card numbers and the security codes on the dark web and so people will buy them and then what they'll do is they'll test it to see if the credit card is still active and valid and they can make charges against it so then they can either use that credit card or they can sell it at a higher value to somebody else who will use it um, but there's this entire market of um, basically on the dark web where people can buy and sell these types of information. Right, so all they need is that 
basic information and they can just really wreak havoc. Right. So hopefully the credit cards are doing better at, at identifying and monitoring those types of transactions and blocking it. Um, but still, you still need to be alert and look at your statements. Well, you're listening to the conversation here on Hawaii Public Radio. We're talking about cybersecurity, and you can join our discussion by calling 1-877-941-3689. Stay with us. We'll be right back after a short break. Support for Hawaii Public Radio comes from the Honolulu Museum of Art, providing art experiences for the community. Learn more about new drop-in workshops and spring art classes for adults and keiki at honolulumuseum.org. Why do some of us get weepy at weddings and graduations? Mixed emotions tend to be triggered by pretty emotionally complex situations like college graduation day, dormitory move-out day, watching the movie Life is Beautiful. The importance of emotional ambivalence, this week on Hidden Brain from NPR. Beginning this evening at 7, following Living on Earth. Each week, New Dimensions explores the social, political, scientific, environmental, and spiritual frontiers with some of today's foremost social innovators, thinkers, scientists, and creative artists. Hi, I'm Marie-Rose Fon Lay, filmmaker and author of Talking Story. Next time on New Dimensions, I'll be talking about the quest to preserve ancient spiritual and healing traditions. Beginning Sunday morning at 11. You were back with the conversation, and today we're talking about cybersecurity. So how do we fortify our defenses? Well, you know, uh, when we talk with Professor Matthew Chapman, who's with the uh, UH West Oahu Cybersecurity Program there, he says uh, a big problem is manpower. As a community, our cybersecurity awareness is increasing pretty quickly. But again, we're so intertwined with networking of our services that it's another race condition of pushing our education to a level where we can meet all of the cybersecurity workforce needs. There was a, a report recently by Microsoft, and they tried to give a number, kind of quantify how, how short are we in cybersecurity professionals in the United States. And that number was a half a million. That's problematic. So most of the time I spend right now and most of my efforts is the development of the cybersecurity workforce right here in Hawaii, because we have amazing raw talent to develop some of the best cybersecurity professionals in the country. So what are we doing here? I don't know who wants to take this question. <laughs> um, so from the University of Hawaii perspective, we are trying to partner with a lot of the businesses to understand what are the skills that they actually need. So can we give those students the skills so that when they graduate, they can be hired? Um, some of the feedback that we got from the businesses is that uh, they need more hands-on experience, real life types of uh, challenges. And also, um, how do you listen? How do you sit at a help desk or a tech support center and be able to understand the questions of and the problems that people are, are coming in with. And then critical thinking, how do you analyze that information to come up with the best response? Uh, so those are the types of things that um, maybe some of our programs don't have yet. So we're trying to increase internship opportunities as well as with a pilot program that the my uh Department Information Technology Services with the University of Hawaii System, we are trying to do, it's called Leap Start, where we're trying to bring in a cohort of students and recent graduates to provide them with some of that hands-on experience and then work with the companies and then place them for internships in those companies. If the companies like them, they can hire them. So this is brand new, piloting this semester. And the other thing we're trying to do is work with um, our 
high schools and middle school students. They need to know what types of careers are available early on because now we're seeing that they get focused into career paths by the time they hit high school. So really, you need to um, expose them to the types of careers that are there. So one of the things we're doing right now is we're piloting another program called Careers in Intelligence for high school students. So next week, we have a number of uh, high schools participating, and we're pairing them with industry and federal agency partners, where the students can just sit and listen to what the industry professionals can tell them about the job, as well as ask questions about, like, how much money do you make? What kind of uh, things will I be doing? Uh, What do I need to do for a security clearance? And how do I keep my reputation clear to get that clearance? Um, So really, it's about providing opportunities for students early on to learn uh, what's out there, and then they can prepare themselves into high school and into college. Um, And the other thing we're doing is Gen Cyber Hawaii, which is an NSA-funded program. Uh, So this summer, we're having four camps, two virtual, uh, one in person on Molokai and one in person at Lelehua, where students can then become, in a one-week period of time, Uh, introduced to cybersecurity principles and concepts, again, preparing them for potential careers in cybersecurity. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we've talked to uh, Senator Donovan De La Cruz. He represents, uh, you know, that area there, uh, uh, Lehua High School. Uh, He's been working to expand cybersecurity opportunities in Hawaii for the last decade. He says that with NSA in our backyard, we've got the Pacific Missile Range Facility at Barking Sands on Kauai. There's Space Force work on Haleakala on Maui. Uh, But, you know, there's this growing demand for uh, cybersecurity workforce in Hawaii, but he thinks that the state really needs to do more. What we need to see is that our, our, that the Department of Education, the, the, the community colleges, and, and UH Manoa, along with Department of Labor and some of our other agencies, which could include the Chief Information Officer and Department of Human Resources, create more opportunities for CTE certificate programs, AA degrees, internships, and and opportunities to hire our our students who go through that process. One thing that I think is clear though, is that when you talk to employers, the bachelor is not always needed to, to have a, an opportunity for an entry level job. That's where the CTE certificates at the community college, and then you can have early college programs so that that way at the, at the high school level, we're already starting to feed and integrate with the programs at the community college. The student can get their, achieve their CTE certificate, and that's where the state could establish internship positions for, for those students so that they can have practical work experience, which will allow them to become more employable. And, you know, Senator Adela Cruz is a big advocate of uh, this uh, cyber training center, you know, out there in central Oahu. Frank, you know something about that? Yeah, so the um, uh, First Responder Tech Campus uh, is is a uh, uh, an initiative where we would bring together um, a multitude of agencies uh, from public safety and emergency management and others uh, throughout Hawaii to come together for not only training but then to also operate from. Um, formerly known as Miliani Tech Park, uh, is where the location would be. And I think that's a good example of where we take um, the initiatives at the uh, K through 12 and community college level, and then we're able to then implement that into roles that would be directly directly supporting uh, state and local government here in uh, Hawaii. And you know what I would add to that too is and is a, is of critical importance is really the focus on CTE. I really can't stress enough how important it is that the efforts that UH and others are undertaking to um, not only develop the workforce but then to also uh, make those students aware of the opportunities. And when it comes to an agency like ours within the state of Hawaii, it's about understanding what those pathways are, what those opportunities, whether they're through through internships, uh, but then also uh, openings, uh, whether the, those are at a variety of different different um, departments with, within the state, but it's truly making sure that those students are aware uh, of what's uh, out there for them here in the state. And for our part, and a bit selfishly, is to make sure that we try and keep them here. So, you know, we put forth these efforts and we keep those new professionals that are coming into that field uh, here in the state of Hawaii. Well, you know, the U.S. Department of Homeland Security uh, also identified recruiting more talent into the cyber world as a top priority. In an effort to cultivate talent among girls and young women, the federal agency uh, 
a year ago th- this month partnered with the Girl Scouts. Uh, this happens to be, I think, Women's History Month, and they were really pushing to you know get our uh, young girls and young women interested in this field. But here's a former interim Girl Scout CEO, Judith Beatty. We began our cybersecurity journey back in 2017. We had a partnership with Palo Alto Networks, and through that partnership, we have um, created 18 badges. Um, we, you know, in Girl Scouts, we have six different levels, and we have 18 badges, three for each level. So we have badges for five-year-olds and badges for our older girls as well, all the way through high school. And it's actually um, really kind of amazing to see a five-year-old sort of begin to learn coding, right? Um, they learn coding. Um, they learn about um, protecting themselves and what security means. And then our older girls, they learn about cyber warfare and hacking, and they get to do simulations. The Girl Scout program is a girl-led, but it's also you learn by doing. It's really, really gratifying to see these girls learn cybersecurity. We, but we started it because our girls asked for it. Girls read the paper, they're online, they want to be safe, they want their families safe, they want their community safe. So, you know, what are the opportunities, what initiatives are out there in order to encourage our young people to get into this field? So um, through our Gen Cyber program, we actually are trying to address uh, more of the remote areas, such as Molokai. That's why we're doing an in-person camp on Molokai, just to uh, spur their interest and get them engaged early on. And uh, they can then proceed on to UH Maui College because there is a strong cybersecurity program there if they didn't want to venture too far. and then the same thing with Lelehua, because it is in NSA's backyard. We really want to encourage the students there and then tap into the NSA professionals there to come and help mentor the students. Um, so in a variety of different ways, we're trying to reach the different populations that were mentioned. Uh, we tried to do gen cyber camps just for women. And we actually noticed the difference between how the females engage with just girls and then if they're intermixed with the boys. It, it really does change the dynamics of, of how the camp works. Well, we know how kids are really into uh, you know video games, and I remember covering a story for Y2K, and they said, gosh, our uh, young sailors, you know, they're, they're really uh, pretty good at you know all this internet stuff because they just grew up playing. You know, they're glued to the screen, and, and they just said, that's the skill that we're looking for because that's the future. It is, and I, I think um, a good analogy would be how the military has has tapped into those gamers who now are working on um, unmanned aerial systems and are doing different things where they're utilizing skills that they've been you know developing since they were kids. And and but the important part though is that again that whole information and pathways and understanding you know these careers are out here where you could actually do something that you don't realize you're you're working towards right now. And I. I think that's what we're trying to identify here when it comes to cyber is that you know it, it's 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 more than 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 just coding it's it's more than some of the I think maybe the I don't want to call it mundane but the the the, the less glamorous parts of 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 IT work when it comes to you know uh, doing things like threat hunting and, and knowing how to secure a network and then actually maybe getting into more um, offensive type uh, environments if you're working with you know uh, the, the, the different federal authorities and so forth but I think if the students know early on what those opportunities are that's where it all begins you know you talk about the the difference when the girls play amongst themselves or with the boys and you know you often hear about oh gosh a lot of these games are are geared toward boys and not girls and so you've got to be able to you know to tap into that right right and so it's also providing opportunities for um, hands-on activities that may be um, appeal to females more and it could be things like um, they, they do block coding or they actually build things and they have little robot cars and this little device calls an ozobot and you program it to follow paths and things like that and that seems to appeal more to the females than it does to the males so you know it's really trying to get down into the psyche of, of the students and then trying to match the type of learning environments to each of the genders which is challenging for 
cybersecurity professionals because we are not the educators, right? Yeah. So we've been recruiting more high school teachers and, in fact, middle school and elementary school teachers to help us with that. How do we transition the curriculum, which would be normal computer science kind of boring type of thing, into something that would be more engaging for yeah. the students? You know, a uh, interesting story that does come to mind is having the opportunity to work with the tech industry. I came across many professionals that were in coding, working for companies like Apple and Yahoo and Facebook, and and uh, many of them um, did not have that traditional academic pathway. In fact, when you talk about coding, you're really learning a language. And for those that, that learned how to do that more quickly, they, it evolved into not necessarily what their undergraduate degree was in. It was their proficiency as coders and then applying that in industry industries such as um, software development and so forth working for those companies and they're very successful and it had nothing to do with just going through a traditional academic uh, pathway. You know I I recall you know like when my kids were in high school and uh, uh, they were at Midpac and they were uh, Midpac was talking about yeah the technology uh, you know department that they had over there and they had these cameras that can you know hone in on a you program with a certain pattern and Somebody walks in with a certain type of Aloha shirt, you know, Frank, mm -hmm. and they'll hone in and then they'll track you for, you know, uh, the entire hour or whatever. But I, I just remember thinking of that when they were in middle school. And then my, when my son went off to college, uh, you know, he, he, they were requiring laptops for the first time. This was, of course, a while ago. But they just had raised, asked folks to raise their hands, you know, who had Macs and who had, you know, uh, Apple and, and it was just fascinating just to kind of you know watch these trends you know over the decade or two you know how how now everybody's glued to an iPhone uh, and that can be your vulnerability you know people sure. can get in that way uh, but I don't know anything else that you think would be important for our listeners to know how to protect themselves with their devices and uh, you know, I know earlier uh, when you put out that uh, notice about being on guard, mm -hmm. you talked about reporting to the Fusion Center, and folks might not know, you know, what that is. Sure. So the Hawaii State Fusion Center is a, is a branch of our office here at Homeland Security, and the Fusion Center's uh, main goal is is to help uh, disseminate uh, information and intelligence amongst not only the community but our public safety partners as well. Um, and then in doing that, uh, we do like to uh, we want to be able to try and coordinate a lot of those activities. So when it comes to understanding what is going on in the community, especially with our our uh, businesses, our small and medium businesses, um, to understand that if you know they feel as though that they have been uh, compromised or have been the victim of one one of these attacks, there's 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 the uh, required uh, um, reporting mechanisms that that we talked about through law enforcement. But by letting the State Fusion Center know, uh, we work with our partners over at the the Department of Homeland Security, and and why that's important is that these different types of, of vulnerabilities that get exploited, um, whether they be through ransomware, different forms of malware, different type of, as they call it, DDoS attack, uh, whatever whatever the issue is, is that the, the time is of the essence. And when we are able to get that information to our partners at the federal level to then be able to, one, try and find ways to remedy that and then to share that amongst the IT community. And I, and I think any CISO and any organization would agree, you know, a, a bulletin that comes out 24 hours after an incident is 24 hours too late. It really needs to be, you know, Im immediately or as immediately as possible. So that's where reporting to the Hawaii State Fusion Center, um, when you feel as though you have been uh, compromised in, 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 su in, su in such a capacity along with our partners uh, over at CISA and with the Federal Bureau of Investigation is key for us all being able to better protect ourselves. Uh, our guests in our studio are Jody Ito, Chief Security Officer for uh, UH Manoa, and Frank Pace with the Office of Homeland Security with the Hawaii Department of Defense. We've got less than 10 minutes left. If you have a question you want to get in or a comment, uh, please call us 941-3689 uh, on Oahu or 1-877-941-3689 from the neighbor islands. So again, uh, if folks are interested, if they've got uh, children or uh, grandchildren who may have an interest in computers or, uh, I don't know, want to be spies, I don't know, Jody. again, if you can recap for us what's available out there. Sure. Um, so uh, I'm the program director for the NSA Gen Cyber Hawaii program here, and they can go to the website gencyber-hi.com 
org, And then if they click on the event, they can find uh, the four camps that we're having this summer, and they can register for those. Um, so really, it's about trying to find the opportunities that exist, because a lot of schools now have computer science in them. They have robotics clubs. Uh, a lot of them participate in cyber patriots. So there are a multitude of uh, opportunities for students. In fact, there's what they call capture the flag activities for middle school students now, where they can go online and try to um, do cybersecurity challenges uh, just to see how they compete. Uh, against other people across yeah. the United How States. How do you stack up, yeah. right? Right. And so there's more of those opportunities coming around. So really, it is about uh, trying to tune in and find out what's available to you. And a lot of times, your schools can help you with that. But again, for the summer, this summer, uh, gencyber-hi.org. Okay. And, and, and Frank, you talked about uh, uh, you know what's available there at the uh, community colleges. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, th- I think the, the programs at the community colleges are an excellent uh, uh, resource for any of the current students or those that are in high schools to then explore moving into uh, both internships, moving into a, a program such as what J- Jody had, had, had mentioned through Cyber Hawaii and through UH. Uh, but then also to learn a little bit more about uh, organizations such as ours through the Office of Homeland Security and internship opportunities and ways that we can help um, develop those those future professionals into roles that uh, would be within here in the state of Hawaii and within the county that they currently reside in. And uh, gosh, I mean, uh, as far as these jobs in uh, the cyber industry, I mean, they got to pay pretty well. They're definitely paying above average. You, you still need to earn your street creds. I mean, you, you have to come in at an entry level and you work your way up. Uh, but the ability to earn more money than, say, you would at uh, a regular retail uh, position is, is greater. And the challenges are greater and definitely the work hours are different. But um, it's been extremely satisfying. I've been with the University of Hawaii system for 40 years now, 20 of which has been in information security. And it's been really such a, a challenge watching how things have changed over time when we used to start with punch cards, no networks, to now everything is connected. And so it's really a, a job that changes like almost daily. And so there is no, you will never get bored, I think. So great field. I encourage everybody to look into it. Um, And then for the University of Hawaii, we're actually holding an IT career fair on April 29th. Um, So they can uh, stay tuned and watch out for that. We're just starting to plan that now. And we're hoping to have a lot of businesses locally be able to talk to the students or any potential applicants looking for jobs. And Frank, is there anything else you want to say to... uh let's say small companies out there that may not think, you know, I'm, I'm not into, you know, technology, I'm a landscaping company, this really wouldn't affect me, but, but what do you say to them? Well, I, I would say, as, 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 men, as mentioned during our discussion here, is that um, never feel as though you're not going to be impacted by anything that you see uh, in the cyber world, because there are, there are no borders, um, there are no boundaries, and you know, the, the key point is that you may not be the, the intended target, but you could feel the effects. And, and that's what's really critical to understand, is that when, when um, the Department of Homeland Security through CISA says, visit our Shield Up website, Go there and look at the opportunities that are available to you as a small business, as a small nonprofit or other organization to look at what you can do free of charge to be able to make sure that you're maintaining that security posture, that your systems are up to date. And, you know, a good example would be if you look back and and this was uh, mentioned uh, is about. Uh, impacts to applications like Microsoft Office 365. We've seen this happen in the past where threat actors are constantly looking at vulnerabilities. And something like Office 365 is used both in business and government and by our moms and dads. And so that's why it's so important that whether you're a business owner, an individual, or a large corporation, that you maintain a good security posture. Okay, well, we've just about got two minutes left. I don't know if you've got any Final thoughts, Jody. Um, basically, everybody can be a target, right? So, um, or a victim. So, it really is to up uh, all of us as a, I guess, a whole of community effort 
to really try to secure ourselves in this cyber world. Um, basic sci cyber hygiene practices, um, use multi-factor authentication, patch your computers, um, run antivirus or anti-spyware on your computers. You know, just raise yourself up so you're not the lowest hanging fruit where the attackers can come and hit you. You want them to go somewhere else. And, and I, I would just add uh, uh, that it is a collective effort amongst all, all of us. It, it's not just the, uh, the state or the federal government asking. It's that to collectively we all have to do our part to um, maintain those security updates. But then also within, as we discussed, critical infrastructure and those that are in that supply chain for critical infrastructure to, to coordinate and, and to be part of this process that we're trying to do to better protect the state of Hawaii. If you had uh, if, if had some advice to give people, maybe what's the one thing that you should do this week to protect yourself? Check for updates on your computer. Make sure all your passwords are strong passwords and that you don't reuse your passwords. And once your password has been exposed or compromised, never use it again. Never use it again. Never use it again. Okay, because yes. that's a, a, another a, a back door to get you. Yeah. They will continue to try to use that password on all of your different um, accounts. So, and we've seen it happen. Okay, yes. they are relentless. All right. Well, we would like to thank our guests, Frank Pace. He was with the Hawaii Office of Homeland Security and Cyber Hawaii Chair Jody Ito for the conversation today. And we thank you, the listener, for joining us on today's show. Got feedback? Call our talkback line, 808-792-8217. Email us, talkback at hawaiipublicradio.org. Check out the Conversation podcast for archive shows at hawaiipublicradio.org. I'm Catherine Cruz. Join us tomorrow for more of the conversation.